0: good brand. It's only $9 for yeah. I think 100 capsules, so it's inexpensive.
1: Yeah, and, and here's, so now we start getting into some things that this is the part that's like um, some supplements like Selenium, um, B-Complex, you get really good products from a variety of manufacturers and vendors, and they're pretty expensive, like well underneath the $20 price point per month. So if you took maybe, you know a couple of them, maybe it might be at 20 bucks or more. Yet despite all the data showing that this is important for our immune cells to work. This is important for our ability to fight inflammation. You don't see, what do you see every major center doing? Is saying, no, don't stop taking supplements. <laughs> so the very things that could help you, they're recommending yeah. you don't take because they yeah. don't want to have to deal with the time element of mm-hmm. talking to someone. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's right. it's time. That's the main reason. At least that's when I talked to docs from other incentives that kind of run people through where they spend 8 to 15 minutes with each person. I go, how is it yeah. you don't do all these tests and how is it you only spend 8 minutes? And like, we don't have enough time. I'm like, well, maybe you should look at this a different way, right? Because you can't fix someone with 8 to 15 minutes of time. Right. This doesn't work. Right.
0: Uh, then, exactly.
1: Um, one point um, I didn't mention, um, uh, curcumin, if you were to research every single hmm. substance, this is every chemotherapy drug, yeah. Everything discovered so far, there's probably more data on curcumin than any other substance in terms of all the different pathways it fights cancer. And despite this knowledge, despite anyone can go on like PubMed or some other medical database for free and just type in curcumin and cancer and there's I mean tons of data on this. I have not found a single major cancer treatment center anywhere in the world that's telling people about curcumin. Um, The other thing is I haven't found anyone even talking to people about the different forms of curcumin. Um, So right now what you hear is like some docs may have patients that are are sort of more into supplements with their patients. They may have patients taking a form of curcumin that is either with bioperin, which is like a black pepper, or they may have a form of curcumin with like uh, the curcumin oils. So it's like curcumin in its own oils for enhanced uh, bioavailability. with With the
0: phospholids and all that? Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, like uh, yep. liposomes and phospholipid type yeah. stuff. yep, yep. So um, all these guys are kind of like copying each other in front of a perspective like they're looking at, all right, how do I get this through using um, black pepper extract, you know, the bioparine, which can be used for a lot of other substances, not just curcumin. Right. And then in, the, in the liposomal world, there's all kinds of variations of curcumin liposomes. If you want the best possible delivery dome, you actually attach curcumin or a curcuminoids to whey protein. When you hmm. bind curcumin to whey protein, you get such a dramatic improvement in uptake. And what's nice then is, um, guess where that curcumin tends to go first?
0: Why, why is that? Is it, whey, is it whey protein in particular or just protein?
1: Well, um, no, whey, whey protein specifically. So It's got to be like a chemical bond. It's not just like, hey, I throw some curcumin okay. in, in a whey protein okay. shake. and okay. you know, so It's it. like a chemical yeah. bond. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason is you're going through instead of going through pathways where, like, um, fatty acids and like lymphatic system, you know, you can, you, know, you absorb, let's say, the keratin through the lymphatic system. You're right. actually going through amino acid transporters.
2: So okay. think if
1: it is there's a lot more of them, and it's a lot faster. So you kind of bypass certain things, um, and you get into the blood uh, very, very rapidly. And what's really cool is uh, one of the most critical organs that needs some of this is the liver. So you're going to get then curcumin to the liver, um, and then you're going to get curcumin to the rest of the body. And a little-known, let's say, trivial pursuit-type detail is cancer cells take up curcumin faster and better than healthy human cells. So once you know that little trivial pursuit detail, you could load someone up on curcumin. You kind of get it in their cancer cells, and then you can use other therapies outside the body Mm. and basically use like light and other tools uh, with the right wavelength of light, the wavelength of light will stimulate the curcuminoids. Basically, uh, it'll function like a photosensitizer. So imagine, Mm. if you will, you eat something, that something goes into your cancer cells, and I'm outside your body with the light, and then it stimulates the substance in your cancer cell, to vibrate, and it basically cooks the cancer cell from the inside. And now you're sitting there and you feel nothing at all. And now, after a couple months later, you get your PET scan. You have a much, there's way less cancer. And you're like, I didn't lose any hair. I didn't lose any, I'm not weaker, I'm stronger, I'm faster. And like, then you you would naturally say, why is everyone doing chemotherapy now? It's a shocker. You're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe not a single doctor has told me this. And the reason is, there's no money in it. You're talking yeah, about treating that's the other big
0: thing right there. Yeah. Well, here's
1: yeah. um, oncology is,
0: like, is huge money, right? So oncology people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars per year potentially
1: on yeah, oncology well, treatment, or at least their insurance. You know, so this is yeah, where yeah, right, it's like, right, right. There, there's details. Right. So um, the FDA has approved all kinds of drugs that let's just say a single drug for use for treatment will cost about a hundred grand per person. Now that person has insurance covering that, right? And despite that, this is huge money. Now you would say, "Well, this, you know is this guy cancer free in a day? Like with would spend a hundred grand, this guy should be cancer free right away, overnight." Right, right. No results, but it's an yeah. FDA-approved drug with no yeah. results. Right now, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but you know when you start looking at the data, you know, like yeah. if you just if let's just say you went to any industry, let's say you go to fast food industry and they're charging a hundred grand, and it's the worst tasting food ever. I mean, (laughs) they would go out of business overnight. (laughs) How is it that drug (laughs) companies and insurance are working? And no one raised like a single objection, so on the insurance company side, why isn't anyone there saying, wait a minute, you're not getting results, so we're not covering this anymore? Instead, we're gonna drive patients to this other option that costs significantly less money and it produces eighty percent or better results. That's the missing link for me. I don't understand like insurance is all about making profit. Anyone that thinks anything different is diluted. You know, it's insurance is about you know managing the money. So now how is it that you don't see more and more insurance companies going, you know what? Let's do vitamin and mineral testing on everyone preventatively because if we do that now, that could save us six to seven figures per case later on in right. 10, 20 years. Right. You talk about an amazing return.
0: Yeah. So you would think that the fact that it saves them money, I mean, even if they could care less about the person, the fact that it saves them a lot of money you think would be incentivized to do what you just said.
1: Yeah, and I think part of that comes to the. Um, so imagine if you are like on a board, and I'm a doctor. They are within the insurance company. They go, hey, I have this idea. We're going to spend a billion dollars today to save a hundred billion later on. Yeah. And you're like, well, we made we had a loss last quarter, and we're not, <laughs> you know, we, we, you're telling me we have a loss this quarter, and. Yeah we won't be able to tell our shareholders to getting some sort of dividend or return on their investment for, right. you know, for 20 years, 30 years. Right. No <laughs> right. Because yeah. we're a society that's biased for instant gratification.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right?
1: Everyone hears about, oh, Facebook and Google, billionaires overnight. They didn't become millionaires overnight. There was a long time before, behind the scenes of stuff right. happening, right? But the impression is, oh, and I, you know, you see that now with younger generations, the sense of entitlement, and
0: you know, no I'm doubt. just going
1: to up a business and make money. Okay, what's your business plan? No business plan. I don't have a company name. I don't even have a mission statement. I don't know what my target market is. I know nothing. But hey, I'm going to make money. <laughs> well, it's just it's because of the you know instant gratification. Any impact now of all these new um, sociological changes, everyone's thinking faster. So they're ignoring things that would take time. And yeah. it impacts us back to healthcare. care. Um, it impacts us from the perspective of people aren't being valued as resources that we cannot lose. People are being looked at as commodities. You know, sorry, right, I lost 10 of to you today, but I'm going to get help save five more tomorrow, you know, yeah. instead of looking at it as I will not accept a failure. That's how it should be looked at. So um, how about, uh, you know... Well, actually, actually, one, one quick
0: thing with the curcumin. Yeah. Is there a company that makes this curcumin bonded with the whey protein that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, so hold on a second. Give me uh, I want to make sure I give you the right name. Because I know this stuff from the, uh, the chemical side of it. And I'll uh, be telling people the wrong thing. They'll be shooting me later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and is it that much more effective than, let's say, Curcumin with Biofriend or some of the other brands? Couldn't you just take more of some of the other Curcumin options, or is it? Well, you're totally talking
1: different? about a yeah. So you're talking about maybe like a, a, a huge difference in okay. uptake. Okay. Okay. So the name of the product is Ultra Cure. U L T R A C U R. Okay. And um, the website for the company is Ultra Botanica, and that's U-L-T-R-A-B-O-T-A-N-I-C-A. And basically, they use whey protein to help enhance um, the absorption of the curcumin. I've talked to, uh, you know, their, their, let's say their guys in their company, they're pretty sharp guys, and uh, they seem, you know, like they got their head in the right place about making something that works.
0: Do you think now, this could well, be a useful preventative measure as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, one, I mean, so curcumin is one of those substances. I think everybody should be taking it um, no matter what. And uh, that's a bit, you know, of a broad you know, risky statement for me to say because normally I'm known we, we test things and measure it and then we take action. But I'm here I am telling you right. to something without the testing. So I'm not trying to sound like, uh, you know, like a politician talking out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, but what I want people to know is the data is so overwhelming that curcumin can protect our brain, curcumin can protect our cartilage, it can protect our heart, and it could can fight cancer. So essentially, every major disease that we've that has research, you know, at cur- looking at curcumin and it, there's some benefits. So in terms of like, you know, um, look at the like expense and return on your investment type of thing, um, it's a pretty good return on your investment. What about,
0: what about and this might be, I might be unique to this, but I, I always find that curcumin, you know, because I actually have a supplement supplement with curcumin in it, it's part of my estrogen blocker, but I find that anytime I take curcumin, whether it's my product or just by itself, it drives my estradiol down way too low. Like I'm usually in the 20 to 30 range, right? If I take curcumin, it drives it down to sometimes 10, 8. I've seen it go as low as 8. Usually 8 to 11. Is that just dosage related? Maybe I just take a lower dose or take it less frequently?
1: Yeah, you could. I mean, I guess um, you know, right now I can't really, I can't comment on the curcumin and estrogen relationship because most most of my attention is geared towards curcumin and cancer markers right now. Sure. But like in general, let's just say if if any substance, if you took it and you felt like, hey, my estrogens dropped too much, you know, it's would say cut back. One thing I will share is um, a different perspective. So um, my own, let's say, philosophy or perspective on supplements is it's always kind of changing. And so years ago, you know, because like most of my education came from muscle and fitness, you know, <laughs> and other magazines, <laughs> I right. would just kind of like, I would say whatever I read, you know, and <laughs> so then <that> if, uh, <laughs> if I read something, mental health or some of uh, flex, you know, that's what I'm telling people. And uh, right. this is, of course, before my research years. <laughs> and so there would be things like cycling, and you got to do this five days a week. And, and most of that is because they're building up a case, you know, marketing strategy for justifying you know, the servings in the bottle or the servings in the container and stuff like that. There's no real research on, A, take it this magical number of times a week and somehow you'll be stronger type of thing. So the next thing that um, uh, what I've kind of looked into is that some substances do have, like they get attenuated over time. So an example would be like if you take creatine, um, at a certain point, your muscle cells get saturated. After that, yeah. you just need enough to compensate the loss from turnover. Right. Taking right. more, there's no benefit that we know of so far. Right. Um, things like vitamin C, if you were to say, well, to prevent scurvy, you need you know 60 milligrams, right? But then to saturate your white blood cells, you need 2,000 milligrams. But then if you have a, let's say, major medical issue we may go up to 100 grams a day intravenously. So, like, there's kind of like these sliding scales of recommendations based on the context of where are you right now and what are you dealing with, right? So then we may recommend a different dose, a different form, a different way of introducing it to your body. In the case of curcumin, it, there may be some attenuation. So let's just say you take it every day the rest of your life you know, it's one thing if you're eating food, and in the food you get very tiny amount that actually gets all the way to your cells. So if you took that every day, so let's say certain you know groups that have curry in their diet, well, they're not going to get you know, like a thousand times you know what they could in the supplement. So there's probably no right. trouble taking it every day. But oh, now, yeah. as we develop these newer methods, where I could get fifty thousand times normal in you, <laughs> that yeah. then are. Taking it every day may not be the best, may not be optimal. Um, It might be okay, like if you said, hey, my elbow's killing me. We might say, all right, take it for three months, take a break type of thing. Or if you say, you know what, there's nothing wrong with me, but I really like the data on it preventing Parkinson's and maybe uh, Alzheimer's and things like that. It's all right. Yeah. Take it five days a week, take a break, two days. Yeah, And, you know, so there's, there's what I'll say is the the old, like, take something, you know, buy a, a bottle of 30-day supply and you take one 30 days, every day for 30 days. We may be changing some of those recommendations. There's not enough data yet to make a general statement that I think will cover every scenario. But I would just like people to get just open-minded to the perspective of that. Sometimes taking a break may actually produce a better result than taking something every day.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, so um, I get asked you know questions all the time. There's all kinds of stuff that people uh, will um, maybe say, "Oh, I got a family member, you know, that had this type of cancer or something." Do you guys have any particular um, you know cancer stories or anyone family members just say hey, they had this type of cancer? How would you well, approach it? And then maybe we could kind of kind of look at that as just like a general model for educating your listeners.
2: Well, I know um, we've we talked about prostate cancer and we've talked about other cancers, but another cancer that kind of, I don't know, it seems like it's because it's so treatable, I guess you could say, that no one tends to talk about what happens after the fact is thyroid cancer. My sister-in-law, she had thyroid cancer about two years ago and had, you know, what are the after effects once that thyroid is removed and, you know, what's what's a better approach to aftercare to make sure that something else doesn't come along down the line and and also – no one talks about, like, what led up to that. And being that she's half Lebanese, half Egyptian, a lot of women who are Lebanese are they prone to have autoimmune diseases. And, you know, it was said that, you know, either a lot of times those autoimmune diseases actually kind of lead up to those thyroid cancers happening in women who are Lebanese as well. So I want to know what your thoughts are on that and also, like, what's preventative care and aftercare in case it does happen, the thyroid
1: cancer. Sure. So, you know, one I'll say with respect to the thyroid gland in general, I have uh, I've lots of, let's say, uh, friends, colleagues, mentors that are in the internal medicine or endocrinology world because originally my training as a young scientist, I was in that hormone world, if you will. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that some of the more forward-thinking docs would constantly bring up is how the way we approach a thyroid gland is very different than other glands in the body. So, for example. If you're going to assess testicular function, like you measure testosterone because it came from the testes, right? If you're going to mention, uh, rather assess adrenal function, you measure cortisol or epinephrine, you know, some hormone from the adrenal glands. With uh, thyroid, you know, the marker that's usually used is TSH, and that's from, you you know, glands in the brain. It's not from the thyroid gland per se, So it's a little bit of a different approach, and so lots of docs call into a question, you know, the rationale about using that. And in general, because of the way thyroid is uh, let's say traditionally evaluated, if TSH levels are within a pretty broad range, um, anything going on to thyroid gland is kind of ignored until basically the TSH is so high, and then someone may be put on a thyroid hormone. So the first. Sort of indirect thing, I would say it doesn't truly answer your question directly. But just in general, I would say our approach to treating the thyroid gland it needs to maybe be updated in terms of you know, uh, the healthcare professionals around the world. There's still, lots of guys or men and women that are looking at it, let's say, from an old school way instead of looking at mm-hmm. it in a more contemporary view. Now, in terms of let's say someone has let's say there's a tumor, and let's just assume the appropriate strategy would be to remove the tumor. I mean, there are many cancers um, that people have uh, that that we see that we recommend. Yeah, as far as I know, surgery is the best option. Get that out of your body like a lightning bolt as soon as you can. And because many times once that's gone, the aftercare strategies we could do are super fast and they just work real well. So in terms of um, things that would be done, first... I would look at, you know, how was the uh, cancer diagnosed? Was it diagnosed based on an imaging method alone? Or was it diagnosed based on some gene sequencing or molecular diagnostics approach? Um, almost every major cancer center is now starting to do combination of gene sequencing or molecular diagnostics. I, I very rarely, well, almost never, uh, have seen both done with a given case. I usually see some docs go one route and some docs go another route. But based on that data, what we're first looking at is: was well, the diagnosis? Does it seem logical, reasonable, you know, correct, if you will? And then. Um, Based on that, we look at because we have those are details about the individual. We now look at what does the research say specific to these details about long term complications, like now, you know, 20 years later, what's going to happen. And then we look at this type of information, go back to, let's say, the patient and say, okay, um, here's what the research shows about this condition in general. We actually prepare um, PowerPoint presentations for every patient. We go over all of their medical records with them. We show them the test they had done, and we compare it to what could have been done. And uh, many people are just shocked. Some people break down start crying because, uh, you know, a guy that, let's say, uh, has had thyroid issues, we see more women than men. Um, but I've seen a guy with thyroid issue recently. And, you uh, he had fractions of testing done. So let's say out of like maybe 2,000 possibilities, he had, let's say, less than 50. And so what essentially that means is you don't really know what's going on in this person, right? But they already got treatment. And so now um, I would show them what could have been done and then find out where they, you know, what would you like to see happen? Some people would be like, you know what? I just want to, you know, my imaging says everything looks clear. I just want to do a little bit of effort I don't want to go too crazy. And the other end of that stream, people would say, I want to make sure this never comes back, and I want to jump all in. And then we kind of create a plan for that individual based on, you know, what matters to them. So some things that could be done, is there a test in the blood to see if there are any circulating tumor cells? Um, In some cases, we find a significant number of cancer cells in the blood that were never picked up, previously, um, you know, in any of the imaging methods, because they were focused on a thyroid gland only and not looking at the rest of the body. In other cases, we find, you know, no, Does the results come back negative. I mean, quite frankly, this is one of those tests where it's like you want to pay to hear no, you know, pay to see zero type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to make sure there's nothing there. And then based on what's there, uh, the labs we use will look at receptors for estrogens, for androgens, to look at different types of um, receptors that um, you'll know, have really weird acronyms or like three-letter um, words and stuff like that that basically tell the doctors what type of pathways are involved and what binds that receptor. And then we look at what it will take to kill those cancer cells. And let's just say you know we found some cells that were circulating. We would then tell a the person, "Hey, here's what we found, and you know we have some good news that here's how it's going to how we're going to kill it and uh, get, get rid of it." And then we would follow through with those the appropriate treatments. Um, so that's you know kind of like I guess in the, the approach that we would try. And then you know we would follow up. Uh, um, I try to pick a, a follow up pattern, like as a scientist. I would love to collect data every single second. You know, as, as fast as we can collect it, I want to measure it. Because I know that the more information we have, the faster and the better the decision will be that will help this person. But practically, you know, if this was you, you're not going to be too keen on me taking all the blood out of your body, right? You're going to be like, dude, what's up? So we need a more <laughs> practical approach to not bleed you dry like a vampire. I've been called a vampire many times. Um, but You know, just kind of, you know, there's got to be some common sense involved, you know. So, like, what will work but not miss anything that's important but not overtax you or overburden you in in a way that's unnecessary. And uh, so, for a lot of people, I would say somewhere around two to three months, we may have, like, imaging sequencing done every two to three months. And let's just say, for argument's sake, um, we get a scan and there's no signs of cancer. And that was at a two-month point we then would push out the next scan maybe three to four months. Let's say no cancer, next scan, six months, no cancer, next scan a year. So at each time point, we're going progressively further out because we have more confidence, there's nothing there. And I can tell you, um, no matter what type of cancer, whether it's thyroid or prostate or any other kind, if we got three scans in a row, where there's uh, no evidence of cancer, I've never had a case where the cancer's come back. So, So that could be like a benchmark of sorts. Perhaps I'd have to talk with other groups to see if their findings match that.
0: What about a really aggressive cancer such as pancreatic cancer? Have you ever worked with someone that's in the later stages of pancreatic cancer and had any success?
1: Yeah, so in terms of, let's say, like stage four pancreatic cancer, I've had lots of guys come through my door and say, you know, here's my data. And they did have, you know, it was was an accurate diagnosis. They did have advanced pancreatic cancer. And then I would say, here's how I would approach this. And they'd go somewhere else and uh, die in about a month or two. Um, So I can't say I've had someone with some advanced pancreatic cancer. Um, Now, I have had patients with pancreatic cancer that were not at that stage 4 level um, or, let's say, more advanced where it's metastasized all over the body, and we have awesome outcomes. And the one thing, um, the comment that was made, uh, I've heard over and over again, um, I wish more people knew of this option. Because our patients are out dancing, they're lifting weights and adding muscle. They're thinking about how to raise their testosterone levels as they're getting stronger versus right. cancer patients that are being treated at other centers, whereas you go into a room and you've seen a bunch of people just waiting to die. Yeah. And it so it
0: was really a dep- I don't know if you've seen that documentary with Andy Whitfield Be Here Now. It's yeah. on Netflix, but it was it was really depressing to watch it just watch him wither away as the movie yeah. went on where towards the end he's taking his yoga, he has a yoga instructor come in taking him through a session and he can't even complete it, he just collapses. He's at yeah. he's at some therapy place towards the end where they're going through some joint mobility type moves and he has to sit down as he go through it goes through it to see him as the robust guy who played Spartacus. Right. To wither away to that it was it was really demoralizing, it was really depressing to watch that.
1: Yeah, you know, what's so sad to me is, um, imagine you're the doctor, you're you're the head oncologist, and you have the center, and all these people are coming in and getting treated, and you're watching all these people wither away in front of you. Forget about whether or not at the end they beat the cancer or not, right? Just in front of you, they wither away. Wouldn't you at one point go, I wonder if there's another approach? Where people yeah. don't wither away. I mean, wouldn't you wonder that at some point? <laughs> and, um, right. You know, I, I don't want to like, <laughs> I, I, I really want to break the current trends and treatment approaches in oncology medicine. Because um, I think it's absolutely barbaric, and in many ways, there's so many things that could be done. And yeah. when you hear the excuses of why things aren't better, I mean, you know, like you hear about different industries, and let's say, like in the supplement industry, you hear about all these products in the market that have nothing in them, right? Think about this. With all the billions of dollars raised in research for cancer, how many new breakthroughs are you hearing about? How many new discoveries? Nowhere near at the level of money that's being raised. And what you keep hearing is, well, someday there's going to be a cure. And then I could tell you, I've been on... That's that's the
0: other thing that pisses me off is when you see all these fundraisers, like some young girls, like, oh, I'm I'm going to jump rope for the... American Cancer Association. I was, I was like, look, I'm happy to donate to worthy causes, but for what's the purpose of this? Yeah. Just going to blow a lot of money and come up with nothing useful. They, they've been raising money since I was five years old.
2: Exactly, and and, just, and, 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 and the through. whole thing for awareness. I'm like, we're very aware. I mean, yeah, what? exactly. I'm like, who's not why aware? Raise the money for awareness. <laughs> like, who's not aware of breast cancer, and why? Why do you feel like we're not aware until October? It's like for that one month, it's like, oh, breast cancer's out there. We need to be educated. And then it's November, like, okay, and we're back.
0: It's
1: like, come yeah. on, man. Robert. Well, you know, I've been on um, all kinds of, uh, let's say, uh, prestigious board meetings and uh-huh. let's just say around all kinds of uh, uh, guys with huge amounts of money and access to all kinds of resources, some of the top computer technologies in the world, artificial intelligence and various technologies from different groups. And you know, on these meetings, I never met anyone that was evil. I never met anyone that said, hey, I want to just take money and run with it. But yeah. when I look at the like the conversation of the meetings as a group, you know, as a whole, because like, I see this pattern, whether it's with company A or, or group B or, or whatever, or even different um, government agencies or, or, should say, maybe uh, officials. Um, what I hear is, how are we making a profit from the sale of this service or product? I never hear, how do we make the best process or treatment or system to totally defeat this disease. Right. That's the key difference right there. So imagine if, let's just say, you guys are billionaires and you want to um, come up with a new drug. Your goal, you hire me as a scientist and you're like, Tom, I want you to make this drug that binds to this receptor and does this thing. So I do all this research and effort and you got me with all my experience and years misdirected to developing a drug. Versus if you said, hey, Tom, I want you to create a system where cancer is killed permanently. Now, guess what? I'm not thinking about a single drug anymore. I'm thinking about an entire system. Now, this is where there's a huge disconnect right now in healthcare, And so this is where, I don't know if you guys have um, shared with you some of our um, new mission statements, uh, but one is uh, to eradicate disease permanently of Future Mankind. And we've got these cool uh, new shirts coming out where it says Cosenta and then it shows on a t-shirt where cancer comes to die. And it's kind of like a little guy with a shield, with a sword stabbing a cancer cell. And, um, you know, at first... You know, I, I have to be careful because my background is, you know, I'm, I'm more barbarian and Neanderthal <laughs> because of my background <laughs> of man training, you know. But I am a real yeah. scientist, and I work with people from all <laughs> sorts of backgrounds. And I have to sometimes be careful. I don't let my Neanderthal side overcompensate for my scientist side. And uh, I've been caught mm-hmm. some just time. It's
0: like just like you don't want to let some of those photos of you and a barbarian out <laughs> <it>. no. <laughs> right
1: now. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> That's a costume I don't want anyone to see.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, that yeah. Spartacus party, that Spartacus theme party that was in Vegas, <laughs> year, uh, and of course yeah. I didn't attend. I just want to let everyone know that. <laughs> but I heard about a couple of things that happened there.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that reminds me, uh, there was a movie Fifty First States where Adam Sandler is talking to this uh, to Drew Barrymore's brother. And he's busted on me on steroids. He's like, it's not steroids. (laughs) It's a protein supplement, you know. And then every time he sees the guy, he's making an excuse for something, you know. So I can see you guys busted on me. I'm like, no, no, it was a real party. (laughs) the same type of thing. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, um, I'm really driven right now with, uh, you know, I've been, uh, let's just say, uh, organizing and sort of gathering some really bright minds in, uh, yeah. in a way that we're going to totally, uh, I think, change the way healthcare is approached around the world. Um, the first sort of area we're starting with is cancer, mostly because it's um, we've been literally seeing case after case of, of pretty healthy-looking people all of a sudden, like almost overnight, get you know pretty aggressive or get you know like it seems like overnight they're like stage four. It's like, wait a minute, you were just running a marathon or you were just powerlifting and setting a world record. How did this happen? Mm -hmm. Well, what that shows you is that um, there was a process that was going on that no one was aware of. Right. You know, and uh, I wish, you know, there's, um, what I would say right now is there's lots of things that people can do. um, And the basis for those decisions should be made on you know, objective assessments and monitoring. And what I keep seeing over and over again is uh, people just buy into stuff they read on the internet or a magazine, and yeah. they never challenge, well, is this the best strategy for me right now? And like an right. example, I, had a, I saw a woman not too long ago, and her joints were all inflamed. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, did you have any testing done, you know, to see what's going on? She goes, oh, I don't trust doctors. I said, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not a physician, but I am kind of like a doctor. I mean, I work with a team of physicians here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't see someone, she's like, well, I'm just going to buy this mat I saw on the internet. (laughs) So you won't trust someone that's in front of you, but you will trust someone you can't see. I was like, do (laughs) you think that, does that make sense? And what I realized is that she's just had so many experiences. In let's say healthcare, where she didn't get a result, yeah. And so as a result, it's kind of it tipped, you know, it, it tipped her like it's like the pendulum went the other way for her.
0: Right. So well, that's what that's like, what was going on with Andy Whitfield, right? He was on either extreme. He goes to an oncologist, and what he heard there is very scary. So then he's like, well, let, let me fly to India and see yeah. what they have to offer out there. And that, you know, that's that's totally the other extreme. But the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, God, I wish I knew this dude. I wish I could have talked to him and giving them some advice that would have been more in the middle, that would have been a, really useful. But I, I've had experiences similar to this lady, so I, I understand that mentality. I mean, when, when my face first got burned, right, it happened overnight. I went snowboarding. I had a, I had a serious sun exposure. it, it my, my entire face got sunburned badly, and then only part of it recovered, and that's why I have this scar, which every doctor I went to misdiagnosed as vitiligo. Now, vitiligo starts as small white spots that spread over time, It doesn't emanate the way this does, where a good percentage of your face has lost pigmentation. But they didn't want to hear it. I would explain to them how it happened, and they'd be like, nah, it's just coincidental. Now, they had all these stupid arguments. And some of the treatments they recommended just made the problem worse. They're using that UV therapy, which just burned me again. Now, so here I am, burned. In <laughs> their therapy recommendation, well, let's that's, <laughs> that's burn you again and see what happens. It's like, well, now I'm burned again. Yeah, <laughs> it's like being drunk is like, hey, it hurt. Hurt. no Hang over, drink some more.
2: <laughs> it's like, come on, man.
0: Yeah. Well, so I went to so know, many doctors and I had so many negative experiences that that didn't make me run in the other direction. I, you know, I didn't start applying wheatgrass to my face or something like that, thinking that that would help. <laughs> but I understand why a lot of people are skeptical of, of physicians in that whole route.
1: Yeah. So, but the thing is, it's, um, it's not the professional, it's not necessarily the person, right? It's kind of mm. more like the system and the approach. No doubt, no doubt. You know, but if, let's just say, like, if you came in here and I gave you eight minutes of my time and you got no results and you got worse, you know, would you, you might say, well, that stuff doesn't work, right? This guy doesn't know what he's doing and so forth. Um, you know, the other thing, uh, also if you had enough of those experiences, you're definitely going to be jaded. Um, One of the things that uh, I had uh, some interesting experiences where uh, I had a woman come in that uh, basically was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition by a major, major, uh, let's say medical center. And for two years, she got worse. And she came in and her uh, son was telling me he's going to sue the center, he's hired attorneys. And then her um, husband was livid. The daughter was telling me, I can't, I watched my mom vegetate away and I went there and I saw all these people just dying in front of my eyes yeah. and withering away. And the mom was crying, how could they do this to me? And after two years of telling her she had autoimmune disease, they now told her she's got stage four pancreatic cancer. Ugh. So I said, Well, you know, the purpose of us meeting is not for me to criticize any approach someone else had. The purpose of us is let me show you hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Here's some things that could be done to actually help you. So you're not, you know, your course in the rest of your life has not been predetermined. So I went over and showed her some things, and they were really blown away. Uh, I actually used, you know, stats in our PowerPoint presentations from the CDC and from the American Cancer Society and, then, you know, all these, um, uh, let's just say, cancer-related organizations or groups that have statistics on cancer. So it helps people to see the real numbers, like this, what you, based on what you're diagnosed with, here's what the predictions are if you were a number. Now, let me share with you, here's research on different options. And look how this research says, wait a minute, when we do this, here's how we can improve it. And here's the information we need to get from you to help you. And so in her particular case, um, it it was something that I see all the time. And the reason for me to share the story, over a two-year period, she had her blood tested, I want to say maybe 30 to 50 times. I don't have an exact number in my head. And basically it was like a CBC and a CMP and not even a full CMP each time. So the doctors responsible for her care just kept doing the same tests over and over again. And despite she was not getting better, all they did was the same test over and over again. I see that in almost 100% of all cases. So one way you know a patient can evaluate if they're getting competent care, is your doctor willing to do different things, right? Right. Is this person capable to say, you know what, this isn't working, let's try something else. And one of the downsides of specialization is now what's happening, because doctors are being driven by fear of liability and fear of litigation, they don't want to be sued. So what they're doing is they get to a certain point, can't figure out, okay, I got to refer you to someone else, because they don't have the time to see this through. And so when I overviewed a lot of this stuff and explained, you know, to this family that was very upset, here's why this happened, and we see this a lot. So now we get to the point where it's like, you know, you got all this blood work, but essentially the same information was collected. Um, She's on uh, Medicare. Medicare will not cover the vast majority of stuff that could be done to help people. It's really sad. So imagine your whole yeah. life, you, you know, you save your money, you got like a pension and you worked real hard and you had good insurance when you were working with your employer before. Mm-hmm. Now you reach a certain age and you're being told you got to take this. And now that insurance doesn't cover anything, And yeah. now you're yeah. stuck with because, all right, now you got to pay for this out of pocket. When if it was five years ago, you would have had a lot of this covered or at least more covered, not everything. Right. So in right. her case, it was about $68,000 immediately, the dad's like, that's a lot of money. i got to think about it. I'm like, well, there's no pressure. And my goal isn't to make money off you. My goal is to figure out how to make this fit for you. So he disappears, goes over to the center center. Remember, this is the same center that for years had told him the wrong thing. They go, well, you don't need to spend that kind of money because we take insurance. That guy is just trying to get money Mm -hmm. out of you. So now... They go to the same place because they had "quote unquote" insurance coverage, and then um, some time goes by, and then uh, a few weeks later, I wind up hearing, you know, kind of through the grapevine, people that know people said, "Oh yeah, they got hit with a huge bill, about a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars." And I'm like, whoa. and this is the danger that people are finding themselves in over and over again. The laws of the United States are that the patient bears financial responsibility. When a patient sees a doctor or a hospital, and they go, yeah, you got coverage. Okay, great. If the insurance company later decides this was not medically necessary, right? Remember, the insurance company makes that decision, not the doctor, yeah. not the patient. Right. Then guess who's stuck? And the problem with hospitals right now, you know, I think I shared with this with you guys earlier, but... A test, let's say a test, we would charge eighty nine dollars. That test is going to be six hundred forty eight bucks or maybe more. Same exact, you know, panel, if you will, in a hospital. So the last place you want to get tested is in a hospital because it's going to be way more expensive. Right. So what you want to do is avoid at all costs getting into the hospital. Now, God forbid you have a car accident, like this stuff, you ain't going to be able to, you know, you can't control that. Right. You can take action now start doing things and budget and plan for things. And what I'm seeing, yeah. you know, all these business guys now, they're they're looking at their health as, okay, I make this money. The single best investment I have is me because the longer I'm healthy, the longer I can continue to make money. Yep. So health is now becoming uh, what I think a more and more an investment for more and more people. And I have guys asking me stuff that I would say – let's say, as recent as two years ago. So in the last two years, there's been a major change, I would say, in mindsets of a lot of people. Um, they're me to do things now, like, can you test for this? Yeah, we can, but, you know, there's no family history and there's no prior, you know, uh, you know, expectation that you would have this. And the rationale is that, well, they've read a stat that 15% of people may have something. So rather than wait, and pay you know six to ten times more on the treatment side. They want to uncover it early on and deal with it you know for pennies on the dollar. And that is very intelligent thinking. I mean, that's not um, you know I, I almost always see everybody when they're pretty serious and no one else could figure them out. And there's stuff we could help do to help anyone. You don't have to have cancer right to come here. But what right. happens is we've just built this reputation that we could help people when they weren't getting results elsewhere.
0: Going back to just causative factors, looking at Andy Whitfield's situation, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on why do you think he and why do you think he got this cancer? Because it doesn't seem like it was in his lineage, right? His parents, who were both in the movie, they didn't have cancer. It didn't seem like it was in the family, so it doesn't seem like it was something that was genetic.
1: Yeah, well, here's what I'll tell you, man: is that um, on the genetic side. You know, years ago we would kind of say, "Did your grandparents have this? Did your yeah, mom and dad right. have this? Did their sibling or maybe aunt uncle?" Mm-hmm. And you know, that's uh, the technologies we have now is we can actually measure every gene in your body and, and find out stuff. Right. And you know, I, I've um, I found um, how much, how do I word this? So, uh, using the more like advanced genetic testing that we have available today. We could test all 22,000 genes in someone, and we can find, like, a genetic defect that someone has that when we have also the ability to test their mom and dad, they didn't have it. So, like, in in the classic Mendelian genetics, you know, it's kind of like, you know, for the fruit flies and the peas, and you put this one with this one, and then you got, you know, things being transferred down. Um, I would say not every single thing is uh, follows that. Like there's there's definitely cases where a gene may skip a generation or something appears. And that's the, let's say, the unusual things that we just don't know, we don't quite understand exactly yet. And there's probably geneticists out there that go, oh, yeah, I got this figured out, but at least it's not clear to me, you know. And then um, as far as though... Well, let's just say for argument's sake, um, oh, here's a good example. I see people at time that have prostate cancer. say, guys, and they have no genes for prostate cancer. And we test every gene, so we know. And the issue means that something happened after, you know, they got their genes, if you will. So something after the genetic uh, uh, expression took place. And this could be exposure to environmental chemicals. This could be a combination of... um, there's some really good databases that are available online from Europe that match the, uh, let's say, exposure to certain microorganisms and how the substances that we might call toxins or toxins or toxins or virotoxins, those substances, how they impact metabolic pathways in the human body that could lead to cancer. So this is not like, you know, um, it's not like something that's strange or unknown. This is stuff that major researchers are saying, hey, these are pathways that exist. So you got, imagine if you have some low vitamin or mineral levels, you have exposure to some chemicals in the environment, and you have yeah. some infectious element. you got a lot going on that needs to be dealt with. And if your immune cells cannot do the job, it's almost like a matter of time before something happens. Now, in the case of uh, you know Andy Whitfield, I haven't watched the documentary yet, but after listening to you, I, I'm very curious to see. You
0: know, yeah, yeah, I'd be um, curious to see what you think. And,
1: well, I'll tell you, there's a um, there's a lot of interesting documentaries that you know they're not like mainstream circulation, and, and usually I hear about them after someone else watches them first, and like, hey, have you seen? Right. And most of the time, like, no, nah, I don't even know about it. And then I wind up watching it, and it's like another rabbit hole to go down, right? Because now it's got yeah. you thinking in another whole way that you haven't thought about before.
0: Yeah. And with his case also, I mean, and I won't keep bringing it up because you haven't seen the documentary, but other people have responded to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma pretty effectively, such as the actor for Dexter, right? That Remember that show, Dexter? Yeah,
1: yeah. The main
0: actor for that guy, he had had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma as well, and he got treated and kicked it fast. It didn't even delay shooting the next season. And then Andy Whitfield had the same thing, and it seemed like they were able to kick that, and then it it came back even more aggressive in different areas. It had spread, and every time they were marginalizing one, it would just come back more aggressive somewhere else. To know it, so they they were just not able to get a hold on on it. It just kept spreading.
1: Yeah, you know, I've talked to uh, some pretty, let's say, um, high level oncologists, guys that have uh, you know they head major research labs, so they're kind of like um, on the sort of a uh, pathology side. I've talked to guys that have like three uh, medical board um, certifications, and uh, or I guess licenses, I guess, depending on the state, and. One of the uh, things that I hear is that cancer is not the same journey for every person. Right, right. There are are details that they may, you know, based on what we know today, they might be subtle. They may not not seem like a big deal. But just kind of like this, um, I would say, uh, perspective that, you know, as we uncover more details, we're probably going to find stuff that we never knew is like pretty important. And in the case of uh, you know any given individual, getting back to you know, what I talked about earlier on, is that how do you know, like to say that someone has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, that's a very broad label. Okay. Every single non-Hodgkin's lymphoma will not respond to the same drugs. Right. And then within those people that have, let's say, so you have people with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and let's say you're going to treat them with with whatever combination of drugs. Within some of those people, there may be opportunistic infections that negate the effects of those specific drugs. So maybe a drug could have helped someone, but because they had some combination of organisms in their body producing substances that uh, bonded to these toll-like receptors it makes the drugs and the radiation and whatever other protocols were done for that cancer um, ineffective or not as effective. And so what happens is that the cancer cells that are left, they become more resistant to different chemo drugs in the future. And if the, cancers, as the cancer cells die, there's potential that the cells that do die make the remaining cells more resistant to chemo. So it's, uh, you know, on one hand, um, cancer is uh, very difficult to deal with considering um, there's a lot of, let's say, ways that it can become resistant quickly. Yeah. And and so this, you know, kind of reinforces why people should get tested to know which drugs or which substances. Now, some interesting stuff is, um, you know, like um, uh, fatty acids like um, uh, butyrate undeclinoic acid, caprylic acid. These are fatty acids mm-hmm. that normally get attention for either killing uh, yeast like candida, or some other fungi, or right. to have like uh, healing effects on the digestive tract. Right. Some of those substances also appear to have uh, the ability to kill certain types of cancer cells. Mm-hmm. So imagine now, let's say you had lymphoma, and we test you and we find okay, you don't respond to chemo, but you got this product for 10 bucks a month that could kill your cancer. Like just right off the top, you'd be like, uh, you mean I don't have to be in a hospital? I could actually get treated at home. You know what I mean? That type of thing. Or I could actually go to work still. I don't lose any income while I'm getting treatment. And this is a point I think, um, I don't, I don't think I made at all earlier. We create strategies for people. Um, they continue to work all the way through to treatment. (laughs) Like I've had families come out, um, And they're like, oh, we don't know what to do. Our daughter's real sick. And so I asked the daughter, you know, you're the one that's sick. What would you like to do? Well, I don't want to be in a hospital. Okay. Well, that's good because the drugs they're going to use there weren't going to work anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) we're both on the same page here, you know. Uh, My goal is to keep you out of the hospital, not get you into the hospital. So uh, Well,
0: well, I think what you're talking about is very encouraging. I mean, you're talking about your people working out. They're going dancing. They're lifting weights. They're they're focused on optimizing their hormones. Seems like they're just they're 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 seems like their lifestyle's not compromised a bit.
1: Now, as in, some going will, this. in some ways, well, the joke a lot of people will say is I no one even knew I had cancer. Like I kept telling them they didn't believe me. <laughs> right. Well, because right. and you know, I was exposed to this type of stuff, man. Um, in the eighties. Um, I was involved in research more on weight loss at the time and, and let's say hormones. And one of my colleagues, you know, is another uh, graduate student, he was all he was looking at was strength training for people with cancer. That was it. So they didn't hmm. you know, so whatever drugs your doctor put you on, you were taken. And then we would just had you working out. And one of the things he found is no matter what type of cancer you had, and I don't remember every cancer, you know, that they were studying, you know, just going back almost thirty years ago. But what we found is all these guys were still living their life. Like When all the friends that they had made, let's say they were undergoing, uh, say, chemo in the hospital, those guys are withering away and dying. And the guys that we had lifting weights, they may have lost their hair, they may have gotten a little weaker, had some energy, but they were still out and about. Like, they weren't laid up in a bed somewhere waiting. They weren't put on hospice overnight. Uh, They were literally... Go walking all the way and, and you know doing everything through to the end so if they did die um, they would basically go to sleep and not wake up so right. what we kind of got out of that at that point was dramatic improvement in quality of life and at the time you know the we didn't know all the details about weight training that we do today. I mean, back then, they were still saying weight training makes you muscle bound. <laughs> and, you know, and, and or, or muscle turns to fat. You know, so we were dealing with those types of issues back then. Um, they were looked at, well, muscle people, fat do
0: People still issues. bring up that stuff now. It's, it looks, yeah. it's funny. Especially the muscle <laughs> bound argument. I, I hear <laughs> right. MMA fighters talking about that. Oh, I used to lift weights, but. It was making me tight and slow. And I was like, no, the well, wrong workout yeah. regimen you were on is what we Yeah, obviously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. right. If muscle, yeah.
2: if muscle turns to the fat, then I, I wasn't paying attention to all these <laughs> muscle-bound people uh, that I missed growing up that now fat. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, geez. <laughs> so what we learned, you know, back then is that strength training, you know, could be very helpful. And I would say then, you know, that was still back in the days where it was like, you know, one set versus multiple sets and right. Nautilus right. versus power cleans, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. So I would yeah. say like very basic, you know, types of conversations in terms right. of strength training. And we still got really good results. Now we contrast that today. Um, and uh, you mentioned something earlier about uh, someone uh, with uh, cancer doing, oh, oh, Andy, doing yoga. Right. And um, here's a, an interesting dichotomy. You know, if I, if I had a lecture in a room and I, I ask people, all right, how many people have, like, the latest iPhone 7? You know, I got, like, half the room, maybe more, raised their hand. Now, I ask those people, how many of you guys are doing yoga? And if it's women that are fairly fit, almost all of them have their hands raised, you know, and I realize there's some stereotypes in what I'm saying. But I'll see a lot of people doing yoga, and I'll ask them, why do you have iPhones? And they'd be like, well, I want the latest technology. I want access to these resources. And say, okay, why are you doing yoga? And I'd be like, oh, well, it's flexibility, mobility, movement, something like that. I'm like, well, what do you think we've learned over the last hundreds of thousands of years? Do you think we've learned anything in exercise physiology, exercise science, more learning, biomechanics? Like, There's some advances beyond yoga. And so I'm not saying yoga is bad, but there's kind of like a yoga 3.0 now that's out there, you know? And so when you are on the one hand saying, I want the best technology, and on the other hand, you're embracing something that's maybe not as up-to-date as it could yeah. be, is that the best use of your time? And what I've what I, what I become aware of, and this is more so last couple of years, is uh, people confuse what's new to them with new in general. Right? Yeah. And so you just did yoga and you never did yoga your whole life. Man, this is great. I I feel limber now, you know? But there's subtle details. Like you could still do the yoga, but just doing an extra motion at the end of something can further engage your nervous system and your brain. And now your body remembers the lengthened position, so you don't have to stretch at all. You could stretch way less, you know? Mm. Or you control your body better, and now you don't have to practice a skill as often like now. You know,
0: I, I've actually found that myself. I, I started doing these stretches to to stretch out the hips before I deadlift, right? And the first couple times I did it, I felt really tight. It took a while to get the flexibility. And then I found that maybe after several weeks of doing it, I would go several days in between doing the stretch and I was able to just get right into it immediately, even though I wasn't practicing it every day or that often.
1: Yeah. So that's referred to as... Um... Once the nervous system is comfortable and accepts it, it takes yeah. way less effort. Right. So Im- imagine if, um, like, the old school way would be, like, you know, so you had, like, the ballistic stretching where the guy's, like, trying to smack his hands against the ground as he's standing, you know. <laughs> and then you yeah. had, like, well, you got to hold. you got to hold, like, two minutes, ten minutes. You see these guys shaking, but they're holding this forever. <laughs> and then you yeah. had a little, like, like, this contrast, you know, contract relax methods and all these, like, right things. Right, and right. acutely you could dramatically improve someone's range of motion, right? You could take a guy that can't touch the ground. He's also, he's palming the ground. But then you'd say, all right, How's he look tomorrow? How's he look the day after that? And, you know, within three days or so, he's usually right back to where he was. Yeah. And then they yeah. started finding is if you do certain things with the brain and the nervous system, and it could be moving your eyes, it could be humming. There's certain, let's just say, uh, neurological cues or inputs, maybe a better word, that it helps your nervous system remember that position and then you don't need to do it as much and mm. so these are the kinds of like subtle enhancements you could do now you know any type of yoga purist they're gonna you know what I'm saying is blasphemy right now right they're gonna be <laughs> you know, very upset with me because I'm, I'm, I'm violating you know the the practice but you know this is not about uh, philosophy this is about you know how do we take something that I think has a lot of value and like, I think everybody should be doing yoga or some variation of something like that in terms of improving their internal body awareness. Right. And then how do we add to that so they can get these other benefits that could be helpful?
0: Well, I mean, if you, if you look at the pure definition of yoga, it basically means physical exercise, right? I mean, I mean, there's one one definition is physical exercise and then there's mental exercise. So yoga doesn't just have to be those particular moves. Right. That are taught in these classes. Sure. It's a a system of physical exercise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but no matter how you were doing it, though, let's say um, physical, mental, both, you know, even spiritual, like, Years ago, I used to break the body up into, like, these different areas and then to make sure, like, we're addressing each area. So, like, spiritual, mental, physical, and so forth. Right. Then, you know, if we were talking about physical, we may break it down to different systems, you know, like cardiovascular, immune, integumentary, or skin, things like that. And as I started dealing with more and more complicated cases, I realized, like, That just doesn't work from the perspective of I can't take you apart and isolate one part and ignore the rest of you. You know, it would be the equivalent of me. You got four flat tires. I'm like, hey, I'm going to fix one. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That you're not going to feel that much better, you know, afterwards. (laughs) So we can't ignore the damage in the other areas. And then I started finding really weird things. Like, um, let's say a guy with Parkinson's comes in and he's got back pain. And he came in because, hey, I got Parkinson's, I want to deal with this. I'm like, yeah, but you can't stand up straight, you're bent over. And I want to help you with your Parkinson's, but I got this concern that you're standing bent over, you look like a C, you know? And then we do something there, and now the guy can do movements he hasn't done in eight years, and then he's like, I don't tremor as much. And now, you know, how, if you said, hey, did you treat his Parkinson's, I'm like, uh, I don't think so. I think we focused on his back issues. But the yeah. effect it had on his nervous system, it was a positive stimulus or positive input, if you will. And as a result, this other issue he had, which, by the way, he was on all kinds of drugs for and they weren't working, now he gets the result. So I think there's a lot of... Um, well, not that I think, we know there's now this concept called physiological crosstalk. Everything's connected. So, like, for simplicity and conversation purposes, we may talk about one thing at a time, right? But the fact that we're talking about, you know, someone's knee or elbow, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean their immune system and their heart and their brain stop working, Like That stuff is still going on behind the scenes and it can't be ignored. It has value. I think we're we're some of the more forward-thinking professionals professionals, there's a growing awareness of all this. And right now, you know, if you haven't seen it already, there's like all this stuff on the brain, the nervous system, there's all these gadgets coming out. And uh, I think, you know, that it's kind of like the next fad or wave, if you will. Um, But eventually, it's going to be measuring lots of things in the body. And to kind of bring this stuff back to, uh, you know, the segment about cancer, is that a lot of times people pick something because they liked it or because they were told all this is good for you, you know, like, say, doing yoga. Like, I think everybody would agree, yoga, it could be very beneficial. But if let's just say you're tired and you have a limited amount of time and you need to get the best results possible, now, given that, and that's, you know, pretty much every cancer patient, now, what would be the best thing for them to do with that time? Is it yoga or is it something else? You know, and that's where we just kind of help shape that, for people, it, there's no right or wrong cancer, right? It's kind of like understanding yeah. the individual and what would be best for them to do. Like if, it, if this was an athlete and we had all the time and resources, we're going to do stuff for every aspect of their fitness, right? But if it's someone that's got a disease process, you know, we're dealing with, uh, we have to manage their time. They might still be getting therapy at another place, they may not be fully committed. To one thing. So they may be going to chemo to hospital and then coming here to get all kinds of other stuff done. I mean, we have, I would say a decent number of people do that because they're afraid. So they're going to do everything they can. So then we have to manage what we're doing to complement this other stuff. Um, even though I think ultimately, I think uh, as we get more data, we're going to show a lot of the chemotherapy drugs are just totally unnecessary or the dose needed is dramatically less than what people have been given. So imagine right. if if you've got a problem and I don't know what I'm doing, I may have to give you a lot of drugs, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm basically trying to overwhelm you. But <laughs> yeah. what if we knew the right. exact structure, the dose, and the pattern of delivery to kill your cancer? How much less waste do we have? You know, We don't need to bomb blast your every cell in your body now. We could just focus on killing the cells that need to be killed. So, is there any other areas of uh, cancer that we haven't touched upon? You guys would like me to talk about, or is there uh, any like f- closing type statements? Or w- what do you guys think?
2: And we could we could actually, like you said, we can go on a week or two about this. <laughs> you know, it's just so, there's just so many different aspects, so many things that. So many people are not knowing, but I, I, in my opinion, I feel like this is a lot right now. Give people yeah. a lot of perspective, a lot of things to think about. Definitely gave me a lot of show notes.
1: <laughs> so <It's> like, <laughs> so, so you come, come out with your book, book tomorrow? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I started
2: editing myself. I'm like, wait a minute, man. It's been a long. <laughs> so, it's so, so it's like, how do I decide like what to put in the show notes, what not to put in the show notes? And, man, it's just so much. So, um, no, from my perspective, I know that. The way this recording works, I know right in the top of the third hour, it gets ready to shut us off anyway, and we're almost there, but trust me, we'll definitely have you back on you know i mean because i know by the time we have you back on again you're going to discover some new stuff <laughs> so it's yeah, always it's ongoing so cool. it's always new information you never come back with the same stuff you never you're never researching <laughs> anything you know so That's it's to the, it's the it's point true. where i was like wait a minute that you said on the last oh oh man there's so much stuff so it's, it's a school every time you come on you know yeah. thomas so you know,
1: there's uh it's funny you say that because i didn't even talk about the two things i wanted to talk about that are brand new <laughs> so, what's but, uh just just
0: uh, just real quick and what are the two things you don't have to? Go uh, so into one, detail. we, got, we can uh, use that as a little as a little teaser for next time.
1: Excellent. Yeah, so yeah. one is uh, we got these new uh, magnetic field therapies, if you will. That huh. um, I, I wouldn't like I would not put them like in a cancer treatment world, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I want you to think about any disease process, the stress that creates for you. You know, one the, de- the just the thought of oh my god, what's going to happen? You know, to fear, if you will. Uh, two, the stress oh, yeah. of the the actual disease on you. And then there's probably all kinds of other things, but let's just say, you know, globally speaking, if your health is a lot of stress. So we have these tools that really help balance out the dysfunction of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, Uh, let's say, tones in the nervous system. And, you know, right now, all I could say is that I use them, uh, I don't look at them as treatment tools, I look at them as kind of helping you to feel better so that you can handle the stress of the disease you have. Right, And it works uh, to work amazingly well um, for people with cancer. Uh, I got people in, you know, that are just that are pretty stressed out. They're like, wow, I feel so much better. So it makes them uh, what I like about it is they feel something right away. Um, the other stuff is uh, we got this other technology now. We have a number of very unique wavelengths of light. So this would be under the area of photodynamic therapy or low-level laser therapy or just laser therapy. But we have specific wavelengths of light that now we could administer to people and uh, reduce inflammation dramatically. Hmm. And... Um, um, and, you know, by the way, there's uh, this area of uh, cancer treatment called uh, metronomic chemotherapy. We didn't really touch upon that today, but it, it involves the use of a variety of substances at low dosages to control the cancer environment. And what's getting a lot of attention here is just a lot of stuff that may not be traditionally anti-cancer, but when taken as a group, it lowers the the threat or the volume or the load of inflammation in the body in a way where you get, you get results, like cancer slows down and growth slows down. So we have, let's say, these new tools, if you will, that can reduce the threat to the nervous system and reduce the threat of inflammation in the body. And the research on these stuff is just amazing as far as the outcomes. That's why I'm really excited is because now it's like we're gradually building up like our you know, health military, if you will, to fighting disease. And uh, so what excites me is, you know, we get more and more complicated cases coming in and we're seeing better and better results. Uh, so it's, it's it's kind of gives everybody something to look forward to, if you will.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, every time you come on, it's definitely something to look forward to. You always bring a wealth of information. And I think right. this is real life-changing information right here. Exactly. This is the kind of information that – Everyone should really listen to this episode and share it with everyone because like I said at the very beginning, you don't want to wait until something like this happens to you or a loved one and then go into panic mode or research mode and have all these different varying opinions pulling you around. You want to have, you should know right in, I mean, you should know exactly what you would do if this ever happened to you so that you you can move move into action immediately and I think this episode is going to give people a lot to think about for sure.
1: Oh yeah. So um, one last thing uh, for people that want to kind of um, maybe uh, uh, get access to some of the stuff, easiest thing to do, just go to the causenta.com site, and we got it set up now where people can select, like, the best uh, category. Like, if you're an athlete, you're an executive, you're a patient, and then they just answer a few questions, and they can get a, a free consult. So That's great. then from there... We got it set up so that you can get information for free. So essentially, people have no excuses <laughs> to, to do something, right? Because, dude, it costs you nothing. Come on. And, uh, but it, it eliminates – like what, what happens a lot of times is people hear something like, oh, I'm going to email that guy. I can't handle you know twelve hundred emails, twelve thousand right, emails exactly. coming in. Depending on exactly. you know what's going on, it's just not an organized way. And then what happens is someone gets, you know, doesn't get a response, and they feel like they were ignored. And that's never my intention to ignore anyone. So with this kind of uh, system, it's just a really nice organized way because then people can actually be scheduled. Someone will, you know, someone real, a real person can interact with them and get things happening and then once they hear what's going on they get to make a decision hey I want to move forward or hey you know what the same for me there's no pressure there's no salesperson calling you at 2 o'clock in the morning saying hey I need your money you know there's none of that nonsense and it just makes it so health is fun and it's a lot of cool and uh, you know we meet so many um, cool people from all over the world and uh, I'm always amazed that uh, you know someone will come in like hey have you heard of this or seen this I'm like "Uh, no (laughs) like literally every day there's new stuff we're hearing about that I've never heard of before. And everybody's telling me, oh, you're so advanced. I'm like, yeah, but I did, obviously not advanced enough because I keep hearing all this other new stuff. Well,
0: I mean, no one can keep up with every single thing that's going on mm-hmm. out there. No matter how well-researched you are, there's always going to be something that you're not aware yeah. of. It's not on your radar.
1: Yeah. Yeah, plus, I mean, it's, it's like you got these tangents. Like, like even if you just said photodynamic therapy, laser therapy. There's so much stuff that's out there. And then you get into, yeah. you know, um, all kinds of variables dealing with laser. It's like, oh, man, I, I'll, I could pass away before I read through all this stuff. You know, there's just no, <laughs> there's not enough time. And so, yeah. you know, the, the shortcuts are you find guys <laughs> that have been doing it 20 or 30 years. You talk with them. And then, you know, in my case, I usually develop relationships, uh, like as you know, fellow scientists or whatever, researchers. And then they wind up coming in and it's like, you know, I get them feeling like little kids again because like, whoa, I got like a technology playground to play with. You know, it's like when you were five and you had Legos and erector sets, you know, you're all excited yeah. you could build anything you want. Right. So we got bright guys coming in and, and, and building cool stuff.
0: No, well, it's, hey, it's exceptional information. I feel it was one thing we do with this show is expose people to really good. And we do the research to find really good experts such as yourself so that the listener doesn't have to go into the the black hole of the internet and do right. a lot of research <laughs> and try to pick one person or two people or three people. So I think that's why the show is so invaluable. And that's why people should support your business though. Don't, don't just email Thomas for a free answer. He's given up, given so much free information on this <laughs> episode. Go. So if you, if you want his opinion on something, pay to do a consult.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, that's going to more and more people are going to change their mindset over time because they're going to see, you know, if something's not working, you either got to change what you're doing or or succumb to the the negative aspects of what's not working, right? And I think what's going to happen is more and more people are moving forward and and this is going to drive even more innovation. Like, I get um, some of the business guys that come in here and they're like, oh, have you seen this technology? And it could systematize a process. That would allow me to give better quality information faster to someone, and I'm I'm all about you know anything I can do to help someone, you know, with dealing with a disease or basically eliminating that disease. I'm always going to be yes, let's do it, you know. And uh, these are the exciting things now as we you know, get more and more bright people involved in a in a common goal. You know, the goal is eliminate disease forever. Very simple goal. <laughs> that's too that's too complicated there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, hey, thanks again right. for coming on. Exceptional information as always. And looking mm-hmm. forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Awesome, guys. All right, you have a wonderful All right. day. All right, Bye-bye. take All care. Right, you take
0: care. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> so much information on this episode. You have to go back. You know, We're, we're actually here live, and we're going to have to go back. and Exactly. To <laughs> <laughs> just, just to get everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, you right. know what? Yeah. I got to say, in, not to toot our own horns a little bit too much, but I can't think of any show that does what we do that brings on people like Dr. Delgado, that brings on people such as Thomas Inklin on, that brings on people like Ty Ritter that are saving kids from the worst suffering. I mean, what show has this level of variety that's life-changing information? We're either telling you what you can do to to save your own life and those of those that you love. And we're telling you what you can do to help other people that are in desperate need. I I can't think of any show that does what we do. Exactly, man.
2: So it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a stroke fest. You know, we're just spending the entire show stroking each other off about how great we are, what we do, or stroking our guests off the whole time and, and being fanboys 100% every time the show comes on. You know, and I'm, yeah. that's what, you know, we were talking on the last episode, on the last um, premium episode, we were talking about yeah. podcasts we listen to. And every time we do one of those episodes, it's, it always amazes me. Well, it doesn't amaze me, but we always come up with a new show. It's not consistently always the same show every time. Rarely has there been like one show that's lasted every time we've brought up the topic of what we're listening to as far as, as far as podcasts. Mainly because yeah. eventually they end up becoming stroke fest, and I'm like, I'm sorry, um, that's what porn sites are for. I don't want to sit there and listen to a stroke fest. If I want to watch one, I actually I have one of my own. You know, I have a wife for that. <laughs> I don't want to sit well, no you know,
0: to the problem cool. is is that people <laughs> pigeonhole people pigeonhole themselves into very precise topics. And the problem with that is, is you're going to run out of things to talk about until it becomes extremely repetitive, or you just go into these these fringes of garbage information start, because yeah, you start you're trying just to make up stuff, press. you know, it's just it's just <laughs> to seem, just to <laughs> seem different,
2: you know, and you know, and eventually, you know, trust me, the listeners are not stupid, you know, they're going to be like, okay, okay, dude, you're kind of going out on the tangent now. Maybe this one time I will let you get away, but then by the third or fourth time, he's like. Oh, really if they got to do WTF every freaking time they listen to your show eventually you're going to lose them and then that's the right. reason why you see a lot of these shows that have only have like 20 episodes up on iTunes and you know or the last the last episode was 2013 <laughs>
1: you're yeah.
2: like whoa what <laughs> happened to this guy or they just you keep know, having and, and,
0: the same guest come back talking about the same stuff but
2: exactly. I mean what
0: we do is we can have a guy like Dr. Nick Delgado Thomas Inglodon those are both basically in the same world but totally different topics and then yeah. the next episode, we have a guest. It's going to be a band. It's going to be the guys from the band backwards. And right. that's totally different. We we don't limit ourselves to this niche of we're only going to have health professionals come on. We're only going to have strength coaches come on. We can have a guy like Ty Ritter come on. We can have a lady like Melia Kaplan come on. Basically, it's whatever either one of us are interested in is a potential guest to come on the show. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be an astrophysicist. (laughs) It could be a lawyer. It doesn't matter.
2: Here's the deal. I know a lot of times when people look at the title of the show, they focus on the aggressively part, you know, but focus on those first two. Live life. Somebody, and life is (laughs) full of variations, man, and a lot of things that interest you, hopefully, because that's when you're living a life. You know, when you're truly living, you're going to be interested in quite a few things. A lot of things are going to pique your, your curiosity. And that and that's the whole that was the whole thing that really brought us together doing this show in the first place because we're interested in a lot of different things, man. And it's like, hey, and we talk about it all the time. So it's like, hey, you know what? We should do a podcast, and that's what we did. So you know, we want to bring those same things because. Hey, we want to talk about things that we're interested in. And, you know, again, there's always going to, we said this time and time again, you know, when you hear our enthusiasm about things and how we're into it, it's going to make you enthusiastic to listen. Now, a lot of these shows I listen to, it sounds like the guest, I mean, like the, the host doesn't give a crap about even what they're talking, you know, talking about with the, with the guest. So my thing is, if you don't give a crap and you sound disinterested, why should I sound interested? So... I've got better things to be doing right now while I'm cleaning up. <laughs> you know, things I could be listening. Well, to. Well, I mean, just it, with it,
0: these these guys from the band Backwards, right? I was listening to the lead singer, Eric Jury, Eric July. He's I heard him on another show, and the guy interviewing him is like, "Oh yeah, I'm am I'm a big fan of yours." He's like, "What's the name of your band again?" <laughs> yeah, you're a real big <laughs> fucking fan, man. Can't even name his band. He's like, you didn't <laughs> even take the time to go research his band and maybe listen yeah, to a few songs before about, he came uh, on your show." Come on, wouldn't it be cool at least listen to a few songs? Yeah, about that. You
2: know, just like us having a certain a certain guest in our early days. You know, come on, it's like, wait, what were you, were you guys' name again? Like, okay, <laughs> you've, known a, you've known about this for a whole month. is when you confirm you confirmed that you were going to be on the show, and you don't remember. So suffice it to say, people, you've never heard that guest back on the show again. <laughs> so, and you know, eventually we realized, like, okay,
0: really wasn't that interesting. But I mean, you've never heard us recommend his podcast either. <laughs> I mean, oh, he has a podcast? If you ever hear it, you'll know why we don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, man, that was that was great. So I think that's plenty for you folks to, like, let marinate for a little while. You're probably going to listen to that over and over again. And, Luckily for you, I split this one up into two episodes. <laughs> so you're probably as you yeah, listen to this yeah, right now, you're actually to listening. To, you're listening to part two, and I, I trust me. I considered doing it into a three-part episode as well, but I, I feel like you know two parts is good. So go back and listen to that first part and take notes, and then come back to the second part and take notes again. And you're probably going to listen a few more times after that and always refer back to it. So if you have a, a player. A a podcast player where you can actually download the episodes to whatever you listen to, whatever you're using, whether it's your iPhone, iPad or whatever else. This is definitely one of those ones that you really want to download to your physical whatever you're listening with instead of just letting it stream. So you can have you can always refer back to this. So definitely do that. And on the side note of that, because we are bringing great guests like this. Hey, not only support those guests, support us as well by heading over to either one of our websites. Go to newwarriortraining.com or mikemauler.com and use that coupon code LLA and get 10% off all of our products that you can find over there. As well as head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast and become a premium subscriber. And hey man, by the time you listen to this episode, it may be May. And you're probably thinking like, um, oh, there are any episodes for this month, you know, on iTunes or Stitcher. Yeah, because it's all premium episodes during the month of May. It's our four-year anniversary, and that's how we're going to celebrate by giving the gifts instead of receiving gifts for our anniversary. We're giving gifts, and that gift is going out to those who are really supporting the show, not just our business, but the show itself by going over to Patreon.com. We're also going to see a
0: new trend where we actually have four episodes that are going to be premium. Two of them are going to have guests, very popular guests, I may add, and this is a shift in the waters that is going to be the beginning of likely where we're going where exactly you know, <laughs> to, I think I think we're eventually going to get to the point where the show is exactly the same in terms of bringing on great guests but guess what it ain't free anymore you know, that way we don't have to complain about people not going on iTunes leaving us reviews and no one's buying anything so like we don't have to worry about that anymore you know exactly. <laughs> now, and everyone has to pay to listen and that's that
2: and it's very simple I mean you got different levels that you can go in and support the show from $5 on up and you know each little level gets a different perk so head over to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. You can look into that, which you should have already done it by now. You should know what that is, have it bookmarked or whatnot, and you should already be doing it. But in just in case you, you're new to this and you want to hop over there, get over there now, check it out and get ready for those premium episodes. You know, I've, I received a lot of good feedback as far as, you know, the, our premium listeners, how much they love those shows. And they're getting a lot more than, you know, what's happening over here, even though you guys are getting a lot for free. So you can only imagine what it's like when you getting a premium. So head over there and take care of that now. Otherwise, just like Mike just mentioned about leaving those reviews on iTunes, you can do that as well. Hit the iTunes or Stitcher and leave your review. And, hey, it's the least you can do besides share the episode. Oh, there's another one. Share the episode on whatever social media you use. All right. So you got a lot of things you can do for the folks who are doing a lot of things for you. That, that's Mike and myself. <laughs> so reciprocity, baby. That's what it's all about. To my, Trump's talking about nationwide reciprocity. Dude, we've been talking about that, <laughs> but on a different level. Uh-huh. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week because it has been a whole lot of talking, a whole lot of thinking going on here, and I'm oh, getting yeah. hungry.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm hungry. So, I'm, I need to have a big meal and take a nap after that episode, hell, not because yes. it was boring, <laughs> because it was so informative. I need to exactly. refuel and then <laughs> rest my mind. <laughs> exactly. So we'll
2: catch you guys on the next episode. Take care,
0: everybody.